Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to another ArsBlog ArsCast right here on ArsBlog.com. Hope you're well. Uh, very proud to announce that this week's show is sponsored by a brand new company, a startup. Uh, we're always happy to give a mention to uh, to new companies. This is OiledUpDogLeashes.com. OiledUpDogLeashes.com. Absolutely perfect for when you want to let a lead slip. <coughs> I, uh, I left some space there for you to insert your own tumbleweed sound effect. If you'd like to go back and just play that again, you can just imagine desolate plains and, and tumbleweeds and things. Hey, look, what, what can I do? I can only work with what the team gave me. And what the team gave me this week and gave all of us was, I don't know, some kind of respiratory disease. Like if they came stumbling towards you down the street with the crusty sores around their mouth, and just as you were passing by, they went <coughs> and coughed right into your mouth. That's what they gave me and you. It wasn't good because, you know, you're 3-0 you're up at home. Okay, there were some moments where, where they looked pretty dangerous, and, and that's par for the course these days. We make the opposition look dangerous. I would say that a player playing against us, his transfer value increases just because he looks so much better against us than he does against any other team. But look, we were 3-0 up. We had a goal from Mikel Arteta from the penalty spot. We had a goal from Alexis, who uh, who saw his free kick saved, and then he absolutely conted it into the bottom corner on the volley, simply because he can do pretty much anything now, these days. Uh, and then we got a, a great goal from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who, who was looking at Alexis going, hey, I like what you're doing, I'll do some of that. This is good. I'll get involved. I'll run and tackle and drive forward. And hey, look, a goal for me. Brilliant. And 3-0 and you're thinking, well, look, that is about that. Even we at home, given our propensity to self-destruct, would find it very difficult to let this game slip. But we should never, ever underestimate our ability to do the amazing and the incredible and the ludicrous. And by the end of the 90 minutes... By the end of the game, it was 3-3. Some might say Anderlecht deserved it for what happened in the away leg a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, fuck that. That was a completely different game, and even if we were a bit spawny, and we were, it should have no bearing on what happened uh, on Tuesday night. We were unlucky, I think, for the first goal, because uh, the guy was clearly offside, and you do have to question why it is We have an official behind the goal who's standing there looking at an offside guy 
who immediately looked to the linesman to say, well, you better put your flag up there because that was offside, uh, who, who can't make any decision or any uh, have any influence on, on things like that. The guy was offside, so that was unlucky. You know, for all the criticism of uh, our defending, when you keep a good defensive line and the guy goes ahead of it and they still don't put their flag up, well, you know, what can you do about that other than chalk it down to bad luck or uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inept officiating, which is something I think, you know, we should be used to anyway at this point. But, you know, uh, 3-1 then, you're thinking, okay, look, just consolidate. Just get your shit together. Organize the team. Deal with the substitution of Mikel Arteta, who went off with what looked like a hamstring problem. Um, keep your shape. Get Flamini in there. Let's keep it calm. We're 3-1 up at home. Let's not do anything stupid. Just be organized. Get your defense organized. There's no need to win the game 4-1 or 5-1. If the chances create themselves, uh, then fine. But you don't have to go hell for leather to do that. Um, I think we saw some of the inexperience of Nacho Monreal at centre-half for their penalty, where I I thought it was a bit of a dive, but he got himself the right side of Monreal to make the dive look very convincing, if you know what I mean. And I do wonder if that's part of why the manager has chosen Monreal there ahead of Chambers. I know there's the issue with Bellerin and his inexperience at right back, and you'd like to think that Chambers is a more natural centre-half than Monreal. But at the same time, He's hugely inexperienced himself. We forget how little uh, Callum Chambers has played in his career. A lot of uh, substitute appearances for Southampton last season, but this is the first season where he's being asked to start week in, week out. Uh, And centre half is um, not an easy position to play, but it's certainly possible that Chambers could have got done in much the same way. Um, We've seen it a number of times this season where because of his inexperience, because of his rawness, that he's found himself the wrong side uh, of an attacker. Um, and he's picked up a number of cards for for holding them back. Now, most of those have happened like just inside our half or a couple inside their half, and those are yellow cards that you'll take from time to time um, in, in that kind of position to stop a to stop a break. But when it comes uh, and you're the last man, you're in the area, you know, any kind of desperate clutch in an attacker can result in a penalty. So then it's 3-2, and you're thinking, okay, right, well, look, you know, we've still got the chops and we've still got the experience to, to hold on to this. But the manager's... A uh, decision to bring off uh, Danny Welbeck and put on Lucas Podolski. Obviously, it was a double change because uh, Rosicki came on for Oxlade Chamberlain, I think. And that one I get because you can add some experience and you'd like to think uh, some experience into the midfield. But um, we went chasing the game. We went mad chasing the game, uh, trying to make it 4 2. They bombed up field, uh, took it down the right hand side, finished, and uh, it's 3 3. And it's. Uh, a ridiculous way to drop two points in Europe. It means that our chances of finishing top of the group are pretty much slim now. Um, And there's also a part of me that kind of just looks at the Champions League and what we do in it, and I find it hard to get excited by it. I was talking to uh, Chris on the Arsenal America podcast this week, and and I was saying, look, you know, the, the Champions League seems to be a way for Arsenal to generate money rather than it being a tournament that uh, 
any of us really expect us to go far in. And look, that's taking into account we got to the final in 2006 with a, a team that was pretty makeshift, a back four that was certainly just made up as it went along uh, and kept that remarkable record. Uh, I've been to some of the uh, European away games and they're brilliant. They're tremendous fun. There's no question about it. I've been to Real Madrid and watched us win there. I've been to Barcelona and souls get spanked by, by Lionel Messi. Those kind of nights are fun. But the rest of it, I don't know. Does it really matter if you finish first or second? Does it really matter if you get knocked out in the round of 16 or in the quarterfinals? Are we, re- we going to go any further than that? We haven't been for a long time. Sometimes you can win the group and get a very difficult uh, draw in the, in the first knockout round. Sometimes you can get a little bit lucky. Most of the time we, we haven't had that luck. And I don't expect us not to qualify from the group, but, you know, it's, it's kind of underwhelming, the Champions League. Like, I would have certainly been a lot more annoyed if we dropped points in the Premier League, because there is, over 38 games, the possibility that, you know, you, you could mount a, a challenge, a realistic challenge. We saw that last season. We were top of the table for a long time. This season, obviously, things are very different because we've drawn drawn a lot of games and uh, the squad looks to be in pretty bad shape defensively and that's obviously costing us points and, and everything else. But, you know, I, I'd have been more annoyed if that uh, had happened in a Premier League game than in a Champions League game because in a Champions League game, it just feels like, well, you know, it's just part of something that will get us a couple of games uh, in the new year, maybe four games if we're lucky. That's not to say we shouldn't be hoping for more than that, but that's kind of the way it is. So, you know, I find it quite difficult to get really, really angry about it. When their third goal went in, you know, sometimes when you concede a goal, you just have this feeling in your stomach and it's like, oh, no, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. This is awful. And it makes your stomach flip and... You know, I know the importance of the game has a bearing on that. But with this goal, it just went in. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was coming. So there you go. I don't, you know, maybe I'm not explaining myself very well uh, regarding this, but I don't know. Bar the odd great game here or there. You think Barcelona when we beat them at home. How excited can you get about it? Top four finish last 16 of the Champions League. Top four finish last 16 of the Champions League. How, how exciting can that be after so many seasons? So this is just, you know, part of that. It doesn't really impact on it in any way. It's not going to change the, uh, the way the group works out, I don't think. I think we'll still qualify. And it probably won't change a great deal about... Uh, our eventual progress in the competition. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a bit miserable about the whole thing. Uh, Anyway, we'll see. Uh, A little later on, we're going to have a competition. You can win yourself a a nice T-shirt, a a trophy-winning T-shirt indeed, to uh, help cheer things up from Art of Football. We'll give you details on the competition. But now, time to talk to our guest this week to try and make uh, some sense of what we saw in midweek or not, as the case might be. Delighted to welcome back to the show from The Guardian, it's Paolo Bandini. Hi there. Hey, how are you? Um, I'm all right. On Tuesday night, though, we saw an Arsenal team that wasn't quite all right. Uh, 3-0 up against Anderlecht and dragged back to 3-3. And one of the overriding feelings was the the air of inevitability about it once uh, once we conceded a goal. Now, even if you take into account that the first goal was offside, 
Arsenal shouldn't be throwing away that kind of a lead at home. No, they shouldn't. Um, you know, there's just... Uh... Uh, we were just uh, talking about this off air before we started, but it's exactly as you wrote in your column. It was a grim inevitability to it all. It just it started to unravel, and somehow, as soon as that first goal went in, there was just this feeling that this was all about to, to come apart. And uh, you know, it was it was just so many different things, wasn't it? It was it was uh, as as Wenger said, it was there was a degree of arrogance there of the sort of thinking the job was done at three 0 but. It was also just absolutely calamitous defending, a little bit of bad luck maybe on the decisions, sure, but uh, just an, an inability to close out a game, which is sadly uh, absolutely nothing new. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you look at other teams, perhaps and other managers who can quite convincingly, even if they've only got a one-goal lead, decide that, okay, we're going to shut up shop here and we're going to completely negate the opponents. We're going to defend well. We're going to be disciplined. We're going to be organized. That's how we're going to get the points here. And what Arsene Wenger seemed to do bizarrely, I thought, was was to try and score another goal at 3-2. That was his way of trying to make the game safe, was to bring on another striker. And, and Podolski, um, his main quality is that he can get you a goal, but we didn't need a goal. No, the Podolsky thing almost felt like, well, you know, this worked two weeks ago, so why don't we try that again? You know, <laughs> we, we sent him on against Anderlecht, and, and you know, that's not to be forgotten. Now, I think that that game, uh, the the away leg, which uh, you know, there was a lot less redeeming quality, I would say, to Arsenal's performance in the away leg, at least in in this, in, in well, I'm calling them legs, but at least in this game, there was a lot of mm. uh, exceptional attacking football. That that away game, really, I, I think Arsenal very lucky to get away with a win in the end um and uh and really in the end those the, those goals if we if Arsenal hadn't scored those goals this would be a very very different situation now it, it got to a point on uh, on Tuesday night where it was suddenly the thought well actually three all is is better than losing four three because at least this way Arsenal should still get through to the knockout stage but but yeah it was it was a uh, it was a strange substitution um I thought uh I thought there were a few changes I was a little bit surprised when it was still three uh, 0 and three one. I thought we were going to see Walcott a little bit earlier. Funnily enough, I mm. thought you, they might he might bring him in to, to spell Oxlade Chamberlain, who was getting tired. He played very well in the first half. Um, but Podolski is not a player you associate in any way, shape, or form with holding on to a result. He's not a he's not a player you you believe in to to track back and to do his defensive share of the work. He's a player you you send on when you you're hoping that he's going to unleash that left boot of his and, and, and score a goal for you. And uh, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. It did feel like Wenger didn't, didn't know how to, to contain Anderlecht anymore. So he just sort of hoped that if he sent on another uh, fresh set of legs up front, maybe that Arsenal would nick a goal and suddenly everything would go back to being calm again. But mm. it's, it's, you know, it's tricky because it's not, it's not just a question of, uh, of, of uh, is he getting the tactics right? Although I think he certainly didn't get some things right. It's also a question of, has he got the personnel there? Because, for me, Mattia Flamini, he's a perfectly handy player to have in your squad. I know he's done a very good job for Arsenal. He came in the last year. And I know his hand was forced on that substitution because obviously Arteta was hurt. But he's not hes not and has never been this holding defensive midfielder that some people want to sell him as. He's not a guy who sits calmly in front of your back line and, and protects it. He's a... He's a, a terrier. He, he likes to run around. He likes to, to, to move. He's not someone who, who knows how to be still sometimes. And yeah. I think uh, I, I think that was a a problem that has been there all season, but which sort of 
was was shown up again the absence of a player in the squad you can bring on just to do that protecting job and there's just no one there's no one equipped to do it at the moment yeah I mean that's a fair point and you know uh, you could counter that by saying that when you're three went up again at home against uh, uh, opposition like Anderlecht take nothing away from them that you shouldn't necessarily need that kind of a player um, to, to, to see the game out it was interesting Per Mertesacker said on, on Wednesday uh, he said that when we drop everyone has to be involved to defend you can't afford for just five or six players to depend, or defend or just the back four yeah. uh, that's what we liked especially in the final third and in, in the last 20 minutes we have to defend better as a team um, I, I think that's quite an interesting um, way of looking at things because obviously Mertesacker was found wanting for the third goal but mm-hmm. there were other factors involved in that that the cross could have been cut out uh, or we could have made more of an effort to cut out that cross Um and on top of that, that that some of the more defensive or or the 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 defensive issues that we have in terms of personnel, when you're playing Monreal as a centre half, when you've got a young guy like Chambers, a right back, that it's surely incumbent on the team to be aware of that and to try and protect their back four a little bit. It's not as if you're going out there with an invincible back four and you can use them as a platform or a springboard for your attacks. How much of that is down to the players and how much of that is down to the manager not making the players aware of that? Um, I'd say it's forwards. I mean, it's a, it's a good question about the balance of it. I, I think that the personnel is, is again an issue and I think that's another reason why I'd say the, the, the need for that holding midfielder is, is there is because you know, and you know you knew before kickoff, frankly, that um, that Monreal is you know is a limited centre-back. He's not it's not his position, it's not where you're comfortable with him, it's not a situation that really Arsenal, I think, should have ever put themselves in where first uh, first choices to, to fill in centre-back is Monreal or Oh, okay, Chambers, who I think has done some, some. You know, I think he's had some good games this season. I think he's going to be a very good player. But uh, again, as soon as you line up like that, you you've created a problem for yourself. And and even in the initial starting team, and it's sort of easy to 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 say that everything was going swimmingly until they conceded a goal. But actually, Arsenal before Anderlecht scored, there was there were opportunities in that first half. It wasn't like there hadn't been some warnings that Anderlecht could get forward and get behind that defence. That yeah. that had happened. So. Um, so I, I, you know, I do think there's there's a, a clear issue with personnel, and it sort of feels uh, almost pointless to say it at a certain point because everyone knows that Arsenal should have signed another centre back this summer, and uh, uh, it would be nice to believe that that'll happen in January, and we'll we'll, we'll see if it does. Mm. Um, but uh, but it, you know, there, there certainly is um, a long-standing issue here for Wenger, and um, I know he said during the press conference last night he talked about different personnel and he talked about never losing a game three 0 before uh, sorry never losing a three 0 lead before but you know, it doesn't take uh, doesn't take the, 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 the longest of memories to remember dropping a four goal lead at Newcastle either so um, I appreciate the personnel has changed but that almost highlights the fact that um, that what they're doing in terms of that what Arsenal have been doing in terms of uh, how they manage these situations is 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 a long term issue that Wenger almost seems to to willfully not acknowledge. Um, mm. And yeah, I think that not protecting individual players like Monreal and Chambers is is a factor. I think you've got to look at those players and think they are not uh, they're not in one case not experienced, in one case playing out of position. But there's there's just a more fundamental uh, issue of mentality within the team that. Um, that it's almost the only way to resolve any problem is going forward. And, and mm. it's a, a noble idea. It's an idea that uh, can uh, 
can work out brilliantly in some games. But I think especially in Europe, where even teams like Anderlecht, sure, they, they have their, their flaws and they're, they're not a club at the level of Arsenal, um, they probably have a lot more about them than a lot of the clubs that Arsenal are used to playing in the Premier League, clubs like Burnley, who don't have those answers for you once you get on top of them. Yeah. Um, sorry, good. No, I mean, I was just going to hark back to the, the, the time after Arsenal got beaten by Bayern Munich, not last season, season before, and they were beaten at White Hart Lane, and, and there seemed to be this back-to-basics concept in terms of how the team was set up about the way that they were sent out to to play in games that they they defended first got a goal scrapped hung on to those goals um sometimes it was just a one nil win win here or two one uh, and the team's focus was what got them through those games and into the champions league that that season based on that arson wenger then um had had probably his most successful league season last season in quite some time, given the number of uh, weeks that Arsenal were top of the table and challenged mm. genuinely for the title, even if it fell away at the end. And now here we are where it seems to have come back full circle. Obviously, we've touched on the personnel issues. Mm. Uh, and it's uh, I guess when things like uh, Anderlecht happen, it, it, it becomes more frustrating or brings into sharper focus those issues. But this idea that we have to be an attacking side first mm. um, seems to be at odds with the way that Arsene Wenger wants to play the game regardless of how effective it might be yeah I, yeah, and I think uh, you know I think there's 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 lots of elements to it and uh, and, and one of them certainly is, is the fullbacks I think uh, it's it's a understandable and encouraging that you want your fullbacks to, to push on I think that's something that uh, is important to the way Arsenal attack, but there still seems to be a lack of, of nuance to it in terms of when that happens and uh, making sure that we're always covering, which I think uh, uh, better teams do. I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, it's something that, that Chelsea are very good at. You know, when, when someone goes, someone else sits, and I don't think that Arsenal always have that um, that insistence on making sure that the right people are sitting when, when, when uh, defensive players are pushing forwards. Uh, I do think that there is something, um, there is something which is is sort of harder to put your finger on, which you know you've talked about, about a little bit there and last season, uh, and this has sort of been the problem actually is is that Arsenal do go through these waves where it feels like some of these problems are being fixed, but then they always come back again, and I do think there's a certain element of. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it other than decadence to this team. There's, there's always <laughs> this sort of underlying. Uh, Mentality where it's like they can get themselves into a, a zone for a while of, of believing that all these things need to happen, that we have to work hard and we have to have that unity that you talked about and have everyone uh, pulling for each other. And then there's just too often, too regularly in too Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many different seasons, this point that Arsenal get to where they start to treat certain teams and certain situations too lightly and they don't know how to to dig themselves uh to dig themselves out of that until it's too late, whether that's uh, showing up for certain home games and starting slowly and then having to, to rescue a result, as has happened a couple of times already this season, uh, or whether that's like against Anderlecht, thinking that a job's done when it's not done yet. Yeah. And, and, and that is the kind of thing where it's hard to shake the idea over so many years that in the end it comes back to the manager because it's, you know, it, it's almost his, his own argument last night that, that comes to work against him, which is we've got completely different personnel. Well, Okay, so what's the constant? <laughs> um, and, and you know, I don't say that as a, as a big Wenger basher because I'm not. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been in, in the camp very firmly that all this talk of, of moving on from Wenger, I, I will uh, sign up to the moment someone can point me in the direction of another manager who is uh, available and would take the job and, and, and could do it better, which I, I think that very few people have good answers for. Mm. Um, but... Uh, but it is it is extremely frustrating, and what's frustrating, really, you know, that the, the criticisms of personnel are legitimate and, and important, and I think it's it's silly that what happened this summer with letting Vermeulen go, and I thought Vermeulen went at a good price, and that was a good piece of business for Arsenal, but letting him go and not thinking about that more, and, and who is coming in to replace him with Sanya also leaving, um, and I, I I think that those questions are all legitimate. But uh, in, in the end, you still look at this squad and think, okay, well, this was a team that performed better last season than it is last, than it is right now, and has added an absolutely, undeniably world class player in Alexis Sanchez since last season. So why is this team not better than it was last season? Mm. Um, it's it's a hard question to answer. Is some of the frustration? based on the familiarity of the situation we find ourselves in, in that it looks once again that Arsenal will finish more or less top four based on what we've seen from all the other teams around in the Premier League this season, that, you know, there's the quality, the requisite quality to finish ahead of ahead of most of those. Um, the Champions League, we're probably going to get uh, out of the group, not going to win the group, it doesn't look like, and then you get yourself a... Uh, a draw against probably Bayern Munich. Um, mm-hmm. And this just seems to be the situation that Arsenal are in year after year. Objectively, if you look at it, it's, a, you know, Arsenal are in the Champions League. They're finishing in the top four every season. They're, you know, uh, 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 good stadium, lots of nice players. You know, uh, lots of people would like to swap places. But subjectively, when you've been living it year after year after year, there becomes uh, not familiarity breeds contempt. Maybe it is exactly that. The, 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 the frustration is that and the fact that it doesn't, it's always felt to me at least like all we had to do was just a little bit more, mm. a little bit more to be, to be much better. If, if that makes sense, that there are seasons where if you felt we'd just been a little more ambitious in terms of what we spent or how we spent what we spent, that things could have been quite different. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, the spending one is, is, is the spending issue is tricky now because the last two seasons, one thing you can't say is that Arsenal haven't gone out and, and been ambitious in terms of bringing in big names who uh, had the fans, you know, excited. I, I think Ozil's, you know, 
it's not worked out so far the way everyone hoped it would, and there's still time. I, I don't, um, you know, I don't think he'd be anything like the first player to have a bad first year, even the first year in a bit, and, and come good. I can think of uh, perhaps not as high profile a player, but I would say very similar trajectory for Edu at Arsenal. Really slow start, and maybe even uh, Gilberto Silva as well to some extent. Players who came in and took a while to find their place, but mm-hmm. then became important players. Um, I think that you could also still argue, um, which was the big point made when Ozil was signed, that uh, his signing him represented something symbolically and that then allows you to go out and convince someone like Sanchez to come to your club and, and that this this is a team with ambition. And Sanchez, again, I, I think is one of the best signings any club has made in the Premier League this summer. I think he's right up there with Diego Costa probably in terms of players who are acquired not even at the sort of very top of the market when you look at how much United played for Di Maria yeah. um, and and have been incredible players. Uh, so there's, you know, there, there, have, there has been money spent and there have been good players bought. Um, there is this uh, issue with Wenger and it's, it's a, a, it is a long-standing uh, thing that, um, sure, he went out and got Danny Welbeck this year and Welbeck again, a, a player who's, who's been useful and is a good player. But, he tends when he when he goes to spend big money when he wants to to buy players he tends to look for players who all fit into the same sort of mold and you know okay there's there's variation between say Santi and uh, and Ozil and, and Sanchez but they are still in the end uh, physically not the biggest players who like to play in the spaces between midfield and attack um, and it's great to have extremely talented players in that role but sometimes you think maybe it's time to go and spend the big money in some on something completely different. Mm. Um, and that's maybe the next step for Arsenal. If they're going to be spending money, that's good. Uh, can they spend it in different places to give this squad more balance? The the issue of Sanchez, and he is just fantastic, and I don't know uh, if we've got the superlatives for him in terms of the way he plays and the contribution he's made. Um, but the, the support, perhaps, that he's getting um, on... Tuesday night against Anderlecht, I thought Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was somebody who took up the baton and went with Alexis in terms of how he played and how he attacked, and I thought he thoroughly deserved his goal. Mm. Um, And you could look at him maybe taking inspiration from Alexis. And my um, feeling about these comments about some of the players saying to Alexis, you know, "You've you've got no winter break, so just chill out, don't burn yourself out. You know, my, my, my feeling is, look, you, it's your job as the rest of the squad to make sure that doesn't happen by helping and helping uh, him and taking on some of the responsibility. And players like Ramsey, players like Cazorla, players like Wilshire haven't done it yet this season. Um, Santi obviously has been in the team, the other two in and out of the team, but, you know, none of them have really performed to the level that we would like them to. No, Ramsey's Ramsey's probably been one of the most disappointing players so far this season, to be honest with you. And, and that's not saying that he's been the worst player or anything like that, but it's just that he he's set such a high bar in the last season and, mm. and, and prior to that becoming such an excellent player. And I don't think we've seen it this year. And, and who knows, maybe that is even partly related to Sanchez and taking up similar positions and trying to work out where they both fit into a team together, which is tricky. I, I understand that. Um, but... Uh, but I do think that that's certainly part of it. Is is those players not not uh, not taking on their part? And I and I have a problem with this idea of oh, you know, don't burn yourselves out of the um, with, you know, when you've got the no winter break. I, I understand. You know, I understand. It's true that in Europe you get this 
actually really not that long interval in most leagues. It's generally not nearly as as big a deal as sometimes we we imagine it to be in England. Um, but uh, especially because very often those these days those mid winter breaks end up getting filled with tours to places that don't allow the players that much rest. Um, but uh, but you know the answer to that shouldn't be take your foot off the pedal. The answer to that should be well here's a squad rich in players who can fill these roles and if you need a break then we'll be able to give you a break when we need it because everyone's going to be working as hard as that and i think that sanchez's work rate is you know it's i was going to say it's almost the best thing about him which probably isn't true because his incredible levels of skill are probably (laughs) the best thing about him and the goals yeah but it's but it's it's tremendously important i think that is it's no accident that the third goal uh against andalek came from a tackle that he won um and i think that actually it's one of the the things that's winning Welbeck a lot of credit at the moment is that sure he's not scoring those goals as much as, as people would ideally like but he is another player who works hard from the front wins tackles and and, and puts that legwork in and that was you know the additional problem with taking him off to send on Podolski lost that player who was doing that and I, the answer is is you know it should never be you know you do a little bit less it should be everyone else do a little bit more and then maybe Sanchez can can do a little bit less because everyone else is working as hard around him mm. um yeah, and I think that's actually, in the end, for all the obsession that uh, people put around star players like uh, like Messi, in the end, that's a big part of why Barcelona were as successful as they were and continue to be as successful as they are for as long as they have been. It's because the front half of that team works its asses off. You know, those players press like crazy uh, and they have unbelievable work rates right through a season. And that's that's actually... Uh, the foundation of of so much success is is just the very boring basic hard work. Mm. I mean, do you think there's maybe not a, a culture, perhaps, of um, when we look at Aaron Ramsey, for example, a guy who who had his struggles and who failed to convince people until he went back to basics and and just put in the hard work and was disciplined in midfield and then kicked on and did brilliant things from an attacking point of view. But it was built on the fact that he was he was hardworking, he was disciplined, he stayed organised. And it seems to have, whether it's passed him by or whether he's trying too hard, obviously form fluctuates with certain players. But if you want to be a top player, you've got to be able to perform relatively consistently, even if nobody realistically expects Ramsey to get 16 or 18 goals every season. Mm. What, what you what you want to see from him, I think Arsene Wenger alluded to it before the Anderlecht game, actually, is that he doesn't have to be obsessed with goals. He's got to do all the other work that a midfielder does. And uh, Mm. at the moment, he seems to be too focused on what he can do from an attacking point of view, which perhaps um, speaks back to the overall problem that Arsenal have, this uh, attacking nature, which is coming at the expense of their defensive setup. Yeah, I I think that's definitely a valid point on Ramsey. And Ramsey is, is a strange one, isn't he? Because when you think back to a couple of years ago, there wasn't this expectation that he was a player who played behind the attack. He was just a midfielder. Um, and I do think that he, it almost feels like he thinks now that the, the place he belongs is, you know, the, the middle one in a four, two, three, one, or, or maybe, you know, uh, the furthest forward in a, in a you know, a, a diamond in the midfield. He, he thinks he should be the guy uh, at the pinnacle of that central midfield. And, and understandably because he's got a great shot on him and he does score those goals but uh, when you've got as many players as Arsenal have capable of of contributing in that sort of way there needs to be more sacrifice somewhere and it's not clear where that's coming from uh, at the moment 
Well, look, um, lots of problems, not too many solutions from here, but then that's not our job. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Paolo. We'll we'll catch up again soon. Cheers, Andrew. Speak soon. Thank you indeed to Paolo. You can find him on The Guardian and, of course, on Twitter at Paolo underscore Bandini, at Paolo underscore Bandini. So do give him a follow. We're going to be back with a T-shirt competition right after a tale of the unexpected. Welcome to Tales of the Unexpected on the Ozblog Ozcast. Hello, my name is George, and I've got another tale of the unexpected for you. This week I was around selling all the gadgets, because it's coming up to Christmas soon, as you know. So I'm going around selling from house to house. I got the iPhone 6, I got the iPhone 6 Plus, I got the iPhone 6 and a half. I said to a guy, do you want to buy this book? It's not a book, though. It's, it's like loads of books. It's called a Kingle. He said a Kindle. I said a Kingle. Yes. No, he says it's called Kindle. That's what I said, I said. Kingle. No, he said. It's called a Kindle. Look here, I said. I know what it's called. It's called an Amazon Kingle. But you can shite off now if you think I'm selling it to you. Another guy, I said, do you want to buy a PS4? He said, what's a PS4? said it's for playing video games, you flat-headed gobshite. I didn't have much luck, you see. So I went to the local bar and I sat there and I watched Arsenal. And they were 3-0 up and then they drew 3-3. And that was unexpected. To me? No, no, wait, that wasn't unexpected at all. I kind of expected it all along. That makes this a tale of the expected. Jesus. We will have another tale of the unexpected on another Arscast in the very near future. Now, as we head towards the weekend and after what has been a pretty disenchanting week in terms of football, how about some good news? Yeah, I think everyone's prepared for a bit of good news. They'd like it to lift their spirits, you know, just get you back in the mood. Well, check this out. Ivan Gazidis has been named Premier League CEO of the year. Wow. Wow, that's am- it's amazing, amazing. What an achievement for the club, for all us fans to get behind. He is the best chief executive officer of a football club in the Premier League. Come on! And look, he beat off some pretty stiff competition there. You know, all the top CEOs were in there. There was um, Dick Quimmington of Chelsea. There was Sauron at Stoke. That guy's got, you know, he's good at what he does. Quite limited in his focus, but he's pretty good. Then there's the guy who looks like a prematurely aged 12-year-old who's been dragged through a hedge. Another guy from Manchester United. There was that guy. Newcastle CEO, which is actually a shoe that belongs to Mike Ashley. But he beat them all. Beat them all. Top CEO of the year in the Premier League. It does not get more prestigious than that if you are a CEO of a Premier League football club. Wow. I'm just I'm just stoked here. It's made my week. Imagine they have a thing for the best CEO of a Premier League football club. Fuck me. Seriously. The Football Club CEO Awards. Imagine the stuff that they talk about. How can we make ticket prices even 
higher. And Sauron will be all going for a little, look, we need more orcs. We need more orcs. That's how you deal with these things. It's orcs. And the 12-year-old Manchester United guy will just sit there sipping on a a baby sham going, and the rest of them will just sit around being awesome, masters of the football universe, because they are the best CEOs of the Premier League that ever were until the next ones come along and they get an award, a piece of crystal for doing your highly paid job. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Time for a competition. And you can win yourself a uh, a T-shirt from artoffootball.com. It's uh, art-of-football.com. And they've got... um, Well, the T-shirt is called Relief. And it features... Um, Arsenal players after the FA Cup win in uh, in May. Remember that? That was good, wasn't it? We won the fucking cup and everyone was happy. Oh, I miss those days. I was quite drunk for about three days. Maybe that's what we're all doing wrong. Anyway, if you'd like to win this T-shirt, all you have to do is go to artoffootball.com, search for the relief T-shirt. Um, they, there's a page for it there. And just tell me the name of the three players that are on the front of the T-shirt. Email those three players to... Competition at arsblog.com. Forgot the address there for a moment. Competition at arsblog.com. So go to art-of-football.com and uh, go check out the T-shirt. It's entitled Relief. You'll find it. Uh, yeah, there's probably an Arsenal section there. T-shirts. Yeah, you, you'll find it. Could be even on the homepage or something like that. But you'll find it. Just email me and we'll get you one of those T-shirts out in the post. Uh, competition at arsblog.com. So that's really about that. We look ahead to the game against Swansea on Sunday. Who knows what might happen? Seriously. Like, who who knows? I can't sit here and pretend that I've got any idea as to A, how we're going to play, B, what team we're going to put out, C, what might happen if we go in the lead, what might happen if we go behind, if it's nil-nil. I just don't know. We're Arsenal and pra- uh, anything could happen, frankly. That's that's it. That's the reality of, of where we are and who we are and what we have to deal with right now. I don't suppose there's any point pretending any different. No point saying, well, you know, maybe they'll learn the lesson and they'll, uh, you know, defend and that kind of crazy stuff. That seems a bit unrealistic to me. I mean, why would you defend? What's the point of that? Apart from, you know, stopping the opposition scoring. But, you know, it seems like an awful lot of hard work, so why bother? Um, Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. And then after this game, we've got an interlull. So that's going to be a heap of fun. I hope we win this um, on Sunday because that will just make the interlow quiet because, you know, what can you say? But anything else is just going to be a bit of a disaster. Uh, and then after the interlow, our first game is Manchester United. Well, that should be good. I know that they don't have any defenders either, so it might make things just a bit even when we play them. And they've got to, you know, put out cardboard cutouts of Ronnie Johnson, and we're doing the same with... Uh, I don't know who. Stathis Tavleridis, probably. But look, that that's something to look forward to in a few weeks' time. So look, let's just keep everything crossed that uh, we can find something within ourselves uh, against Swansea on Sunday that will allow us to take the three points without any drama, without any fuss. Maybe we could, you know, get into the lead and not throw it away. Maybe we could do that. Um, I'm going to keep everything crossed for that. And I'll talk to you on the next Arscast. We'll have an Arscast Extra on Monday, looking back at the weekend. Myself and James will be here answering your questions as well. So until then, have a good weekend. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. 
Ivan. Ivan, Ivan, Ivan. Well done, my boy. Well done. Premier League CEO of the year. I bet you thought it was never going to happen. But we've had our eye on you for some time, let me tell you. Uh, glad to have you and welcome you into the inner sanctum where, as you can see, it's luxury, caviar, champagne, Turkish delight made from real Turks. It's delicious. You should try some. And, of course, you get the answer to the question that everybody in football wants to know. How is it that Robbie Savage has a number of jobs across a range of television and broadcast medium? It's a closely guarded secret, of course. Nobody outside these walls can ever know. But I'm telling you now, the answer is... Wait, wait, I'll just put on a little music here. There you see, basically... And that's basically the whole story. Uh, quite remarkable. I mean, who, who would have thunk the scientists just didn't know what to say? Anyway, my boy, here's the key to the executive bathroom. Go have fun. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.